All right, and also, also uh, those kids up to five years old, if you want to, you can go to the nursery as well. That's, that's fine as well. Um, yes, it's Father's Day today, and special presentation there. That was great. I tell you, the kids didn't even jump when that snake flew out of there. It, it was uh, pretty good. Um, you know, Father's Day you know, makes me think about when I was a kid, and uh, you know, for you too, when you were a kid. I mean, wasn't it great? You didn't have anything to worry about. I mean, uh, your parents were responsible for everything, right? They, they, they were supposed to take care of everything, you know, all that. Well, you know, but, but parents, on the other hand, parents tend to worry. Fathers tend to worry. And, you know, uh, as a father, there's been various things that I have worried about. There's, uh, oh, you know, providing for my family that I've worried about. I've, I've worried about, uh, you know, have I done what I need to do to equip my kids for life? You know, things like that. Maybe those are okay things to worry about. I don't know. But uh, people have a tendency to worry, uh, which is too bad because worry really robs us of peace. We need trust, and trust brings peace. But trust is hard. Trust is something that comes hard. We've had, uh, you know, uh, either things that we've heard about or, or maybe things that have happened to us that have caused trust to come uh, very hard. And trust has to be earned. Trust is, is something that is, is warranted. But trust is also something that's necessary. I think people really want trust. Now, Moses is one that when he stood in uh, the presence of Pharaoh, he was standing at a place of trust. He had to trust God in that situation. I mean, at any moment, Pharaoh could have said, you know, I'm really tired of this guy, off with his head. You know, but he was trusting God in that situation. He was in the court of the most powerful ruler that had been known to man up to that point in time. And here he was going to make demands of this ruler to let this great economic engine that he had there, this group of slaves, these Hebrew slaves, go. Why would he do this? I mean, when God gave Moses these instructions, it was, a, it was an assignment that made no sense. So what do you do when God doesn't make sense? Well, in Moses' case, he went. But now when he went, he went with certain expectations. It appears as though Moses came expecting that, that God would, in this first encounter with Pharaoh, miraculously deliver the Hebrew slaves, that Pharaoh would cave on the first instance and, and uh, let the Hebrew slaves go. Moses was maybe picturing the, the, uh, the, the joy that would happen when the slaves were let go, that he would be hailed as, as uh, this hero of God or something, that you know, he would be able to be, you know, raised up on their shoulders and paraded around, kind of like the uh, conquering general or, or maybe, a, you know, the coach of the winning uh, Super Bowl team or something like that. But that was not to happen. Instead, when Moses gave these instructions to Pharaoh, here was Pharaoh's reply. He said, you know, if the Hebrews would send somebody like you here to me to make that kind of demand, that tells me one thing, they're lazy they got way too much time on their hands. So i tell you what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to command that they continue to make the same number of bricks as they made before, but this time they're going to make them without straw. Now, just a little backstory on that, that uh, brick making in Egypt. What they did was uh, they, they would take the, uh, the clay that is all wet and they would put it into molds normally, but, but to make it strong so it didn't uh, break apart, and when they would build these buildings, they would um, put into the clay some kind of vegetation. 
It was kind of used like rebar is or, or wire mesh is used in concrete today. Uh, so they would put this in there in, in the clay, in the bricks, and they were provided with straw so they could use straw, but they didn't have to use straw. They could use any kind of vegetation. They could use grass or weeds or whatever. So now when, when Pharaoh said that you can't have any straw, but you have to keep the, the same production going, what they had to do was they had to go out and they had to forage for grass. They had to forage for uh, weeds, anything that they could find to try to uh, make these bricks. Now, when, when Moses was sent to the slaves... God had said, I've seen my people, I see their suffering, I see their bondage, you know, and, and I have compassion on them. Well, now their workload is doubled. And they looked, and, and the, the Hebrews looked around, and they said, well, who has caused this suffering to us? Moses and his God. Now, they didn't really trust them that much before, but now they looked at this, and they're looking at them and saying, we don't trust you at all. What is Moses going to do? What would you do when God doesn't make sense? Well, some people, when uh, in response to this, uh, might do something like this. They might write God off. They might say, you know what, God? You sent me on this wild goose chase. You didn't keep your end of the bargain. I'm out of here. I'm going to go tend some sheep. Moses didn't do that. Other people might do, as Moses did here, where he goes back to the source. He goes back to God for an explanation. And he may have said something like this, God, did I get this one correct? Maybe I misunderstood. You know, maybe maybe in that journey from uh, the desert, the wilderness, back here to Egypt, I forgot some of the instructions. Could you go over this with me one more time, God? What did I miss here? He went back to God to find out some information. And another response can be to check your expectations. What do you expect from God? Now, for Moses, what we can see is taking place here is this, that Moses' expectations are being brought into alignment with God and who God is. Now, God is up to certain things with Moses, and he needs to do more than simply free these slaves. He needs to do some other things as well, because Moses is going to be wandering with these slaves in the wilderness for 40 years. He's going to be leading these people. He needs training. He needs his heart shaped, his his heart formed. He needs to learn what it means to depend upon God, to wait on the Lord. He needs to learn all of these things, and that wouldn't happen if God had delivered the slaves the first time in. He also, God also needs to shape the attitude of the Israelites. Up until this point, the Israelites had looked at Pharaoh as though he were God because Pharaoh had power of God over them. He had power of life and death over the Israelites. And he needed to demonstrate to them that there is a God here and it isn't Pharaoh. It's the Lord. Sometimes when things don't go as planned... When God doesn't make sense, what we need to do is align our expectations with who God is. We need to check on our own expectations. So Moses returned to the Lord, and he spoke with him. And the Lord said to him in Exodus chapter 6, verse 1, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. Moses reported all of this back to the Israelites, but they didn't believe him. They didn't trust him. They didn't listen to him because of their discouragement and their cruel bondage. And the Israelites had no hope. 
They had no hope because they had no trust. And because they had no hope, they were down. They were down, 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 dooby dooby down. How were they going to get up again? How were they going to have hope? Only one way, by having trust. But how can they trust the one that they don't really know? How can they trust this God that, that they've never really met before? Sometimes when God makes, doesn't make sense, it's because we don't know really God's character well enough. We don't really know who God is well enough. Think about it this way. You know, isn't it true that when you're going to trust somebody, when you're questioning whether or not you should trust somebody, you're basing your decision on that person's character, who they are, right? Okay, let's, let's take this, okay? Um, who would you be more inclined to trust? Billy Graham or the salesman with that call that interrupts you at dinner, you know? Um, you know, now the salesman who interrupts you with the call at dinner may have great character. He may be perfectly trustworthy, but he's been in, he's inconvenient, and uh, you don't know him. So how are you going to know whether or not you can trust him? But on the other hand, Billy Graham has spent years uh, really uh, developing this character and revealing this character that is one that is worthy of trust. You know, character is something that is so important uh, that. When marketers want to market their products, what they will do is they will seek out spokesmen for their products. Many times what they will do is they will seek out celebrity spokespeople, and they're very careful as far as who it is that they're selecting. Back uh, a number of years ago, uh, Lance Armstrong was uh, you know, winning all kinds of Tour de France uh, bicycle races, and he was considered to be the bionic man. He, he was uh, a cancer survivor. He had overcome cancer to win all kinds of these, these bike races, and he was kind of this all-American boy and, and uh, just a great success story. People uh, would accuse him of doping, of, of cheating, of taking these, these drugs that were performance-enhancing drugs, but he denied it, and all of his fans believed him because they considered to be him to be a man of character. Well, over time, they discovered that uh, the allegations were true. They proved it to be true. He admitted that it was true. And in that moment, he pretty well lost everything. Because up until that point in time, people had considered to be, him to be a man of character. And he was a spokesman for all kinds of different products. He was all over the place. Everywhere you looked was uh, Lance Armstrong uh, promoting some kind of, of product. After that, all of his sponsors abandoned him because they could recognize that uh, to, to endorse a product, you need somebody with good character. Now, you know, the moral of this uh, really is a couple of things. One, one, first and foremost, really on the human level, is that we need to guard our own good name. You've got to watch out what you're doing, okay, what you say, because, uh, uh, you know, as Lance Armstrong can attest, once you have damaged your character, it's very difficult to get that reputation back again. Secondly, if we want to trust God, if we want to trust Him, what we need to do is get to know Him. We need to get to know who God is. In Scripture, it talks about God's character by, by referring to His name. And when, uh, when it says His name, uh, like, for example, you know, where it says, whatever you ask for in my name, I will do it, okay? What He's saying there is not some formula, formula for prayer, but rather in His character, in who He is, in His person. Okay, in his trustworthiness. 
You know, that's the name that we're talking about there. So when Moses was receiving his call to uh, go to Pharaoh and make uh, the demands of him and go to the Israelites, Moses said this in Exodus 3. He said, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? He's saying, What is his character? Is he trustworthy? What's his reputation? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. God is who God is. In other words, He's God. What else would you call Him? You know, I am who I am. But with that comes this, that God, by His very definition of who God is, is that which is greater than all else that exists, which means that He is powerful. He is capable. But I still will not trust Him unless I know that He also is loving. If I, you know, if if He is powerful, but He uses that power to cause me harm, it will be difficult to put my trust into God. But on the other hand, if he's powerful and he is loving as well, then I know that I can trust him. So it's a matter of getting to know who God is, getting, getting to know his name. So God said this to Moses in Exodus chapter 6, verse 2. I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. And they trusted in him. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. So in other words, what he's saying is this, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were given this much of a revelation from God. They could see this much of God. But now Moses and the Israelites are given this much of a revelation of God. They can see this much of God. And the more that they can see of God, the better they have the opportunity to see that God is not just powerful, but that God is loving, that he means them good and not harm. Now, for us, what we can see is this. It continues to build because we live in the time that is post-revelation of Jesus Christ. And we can see, like John 3.16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we can see that God is not just powerful, but God is amazingly loving, that he would stop at nothing to demonstrate that love to us so that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob have just this much revelation of God Moses and the Israelites have this much revelation of God, but we have this much revelation of God. We also, last Sunday, we celebrated Pentecost, which is the outpouring of the Spirit, and we live in the, the times that are post-outpouring of the Spirit, which means that we have God's presence here with us. And this is something that is far greater than what has appeared before Pentecost. So now we have, like what Paul talks about, that he says, he says, you have the Spirit of God as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You have this much revelation of God, so you can see this great big massive demonstration of what God's name is, what His character is, who God is all about. And with that, based on that, you can trust Him. Now, Abraham. You know, Abraham met this God that he didn't even really seem to know before with this much revelation, and he followed him. He went where he said into the land of Canaan. 
Moses met God in the burning bush, and he went to Pharaoh, standing in Pharaoh's court. Now, what are you going to do when God doesn't seem to make sense, when things don't go as planned? In those, in those moments, in those moments, base your, base your trust as Moses did on the character of God, the name of God, who God is, and trust in Him. Amen.